Yes, it's the Finnish football show. And so it ends with three group games played in 10 days. Finland team managed a goal, a win, and finished third in Group B. But unfortunately, wasn't enough for the hockey app to qualify for the knockout stage. But they did themselves and the whole country proud. Sorry for keeping you waiting, listener. After the Belgium game, we wanted to... We wanted to get a review of the Belgian game out, but we also wanted to wait and see if Finland qualified. And uh, then the Johannes or midsummer holiday kept us all apart a little bit longer, but we're back. So today I'm joined by Mark Hayton. Hi, Mark. Hi. By Rich. Hi, Rich. Hello. And by Keke. Hi. Hi, Keke. Sorry. And um, we're together today to review that final group game against Belgium and kind of discuss how we felt while waiting for the final group positions to be decided. Um, we're also going to choose our Hukiad player of the Euros before we maybe turn our attention to uh, transfer news, speculation or just mere gossip um, and look at the domestic Fakehouse Liga season. We've also got a few questions from followers and listeners, uh, hopefully both. Um, so we'll come to those at, at certain stages throughout the uh, throughout the show as well. But uh, maybe now is a good time to listen to that whistle blow. And let's let's look back at, at Finland nil, Belgium two. Rich, how how were we what were we thinking about this game before it started and and then maybe we'll look at how our expectations matched up with the uh, with the outcome. Um, I think everyone got so het up with the permutations of the various group standings and everything, and uh, the kind of variable from a lot of people is how many would Belgium score. Um, Finland defensively did really well for 70, 75 minutes. Um, Belgium had... Couple of good chances. Rudetsky made some fantastic saves. Uh, lucky that Romelu Lukaku's shoe was a couple of sizes bigger than the ideal. And uh, and yeah, unfortunately, the the goals that went in. I mean, two two nil in hindsight isn't a bad score when you see what what Belgium did to Russia and how they came out of the blocks after they went down to Denmark. But um, the goal, the first goal, was just a fluke own goal off Fredetsky, which, I mean, he added afterwards, what the F can you do about it? In the interview, it, it kind of hit the post and bounced in off him. As, you know, he can only react so quickly. He's not shy of dropping an F-bomb either, is he? He's as not. We, as we not. discovered ourselves. <laughs> well, that, you know, saying that on state TV, when you think if they'd done that on the BBC, it would have been thousands of complaints. But, um, and then a few minutes later, um, Lukaku scored and I, I think at that point you could see I think had that come first and, and Fredetsky and say he might have maybe made an effort but he, he almost looked like he that defence had been beaten and it kind of was a bit too much for him but um, I mean Finland yeah did well again you know and this is something we'll come to on our kind of review of the group stage they didn't really offer a huge amount going forward because it's Belgium and and so on. But um, I, I think on, on the strength of that game, I mean, they, they did fine, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll go into it later. But I think, yeah, 2-0 was 
a, a decent result, honestly, for, for both sides, really. Anyone got anything to add specifically about the about the Belgian game, um, as opposed I, to the whole the whole group in general? I think I think you have to ask or or admit to yourself. How did you feel when uh, I think we we all saw that Lukaku goal that was knocked off for offside, and I think at least where I was, I, I think we all thought oh, we're going to get this. We're going to nick a point. This is our day. We're like it's it's going to even itself up, because um, when we saw it live and, and when we saw the replay, we thought, well, now nah, he's 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 clearly on, and, and we've lost it here. And then when the ref came back and gave it as a as an offside, I thought, I think we're gonna we might just absolutely nick this one. What I would say is that not not too long after that, we then made three substitutions that that again I think probably didn't help us. So Sparv came off for Schiller as he does on the hour. Uh, these days, Kauko came on for Boy and Palo, like Kauko. Um, but uh, but I thought I thought that was an interesting an interesting decision. Um, and then Alho came on for Urunen, and uh, I also thought Urunen had been quite good going forward. I think both Urunen and Boy and Palo looked a bit leggy, but I also thought if you're going to make those if you're going to make those substitutions. Is it right to to bring on Kauko and Alho? Are they are they the, are they the good guys to bring in? I thought Alho was it kind of he was industrious down the down the right when he switched over, but uh, somehow I think we we became a little bit less potent in the final third. Not that we not that we done that well in getting the ball to them, but but yeah, it kind of it kind of at that at that time of those substitutions went to what I suggested could be our opening formation with with three sort of solid central midfielders and Lord linking up with with Pukki. Um interesting when you're chasing a game to sort of to, to sort of drop into that sort of more defensive mode um so yeah I I agree with you um about that Keke yeah I was just going to say you know as as Rich touched on there the, for the first I mean Rich and myself were together again in the in the famous Three Kings and for those of you who have seen some of the photos, we had the pod listener Jamie in there with his finished football show Ilves t-shirt on. So good, good on Jamie. But um, but yeah, as Rich said about the defensive display for 70, what was it, 75 minutes, we were we sort of by hook or by crook through grit and, and determination, we kept them at bay. And then for that that second goal when Lukaku spanned O'Shaughnessy and just and and smashed it in the net. You know, obviously, devastation is the uh, is the overriding feeling. But but then once the dust sort of settles, you think to yourself, well, that's that's a a, a youngish Vakehouse Liga defender against a geezer who smashed in I don't know how many goals in Serie A and won the league in in Italy. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So um, so yeah, you you can't feel too hard done by. I don't think. I think you know, Ariuri playing his football in Cyprus over the last few seasons. Oh, Shaughnessy, who I mentioned in the Vakehouse Liga. You know, Toivio, who's playing in Sweden up against the big boys of Belgium. I, I, the overriding emotion for me throughout, the, obviously, we'll get onto the, the whole uh, the whole tournament. But yeah, even even that 2-0 that defeat, the overriding emotion was pride, really. Rich? Um, I, I think something we, we talked about on our WhatsApp group, um, but we haven't heard yet, was... When Sparv came off, and, and again, like Mark hinted about the substitutions that were made, I think it's almost like you could see the cracks a little bit and things like that kind of expose what Sparv brings to the team. And I think it's difficult 
to look because again, you know, his numbers are what they are. And, you know, Kamara was the one who made the most, I think one of the top interceptions in the group stages and everything. But, mm. you know, the, the way that the team was set up, the way that their mentality was there, I think when you remove Spav and change that midfield, you know, again, I mean, it's something that, again, going back to watching Arsenal, you know, Arsenal Wenger used to change the structure of the team and then it would all go a little bit wrong to try and defend a point or defend a win. And in this, by changing that, I think it's kind of disrupted things a little bit and you've removed the person who's got the most influence. And, and you know, as we talked about before, it, one of his strengths is bringing the best out of his teammates. And if you suddenly change that, then you're going to have disruption, especially in the middle of the pitch when you've got Kevin De Bruyne and Lukaku sitting there waiting to pounce. Um, I, I think that's, you know, and unfortunately, you know, we, whether Spav could last the 90 minutes or not, I don't know. But he hadn't played against Russia, so he had, you know, nine days in between games. Mm. I, I don't think keeping him on for another 15 minutes would have been the worst thing in the world. I think, I mean... I got you got to see in the Belgium game really what his key difference is between him and Schiller. So I think I think when we look at those that that defensive midfield position, we look at us out of possession and how you harry intercept and tackle. But actually, Sparv's like major contribution is how good he is when we're in possession because he's always an open ball for anybody who's who's in possession in our own final third or in our own half. He's always available. He's always a good way to diffuse a press. I mean, Lukaku, Hazard, De Bruyne. You know, they didn't get a, he didn't get caught in possession once. They they didn't get a nick on him. He he always gets the ball. He always recycles it and moves it along. And he keeps that he keeps that press at bay because it, he keeps the ball shifting around our 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 back third. Every now and again, he connects it to to the front foot. And I think that's the thing that we lost when um, when Schuler came on. We just we weren't we weren't able to keep the ball for extended periods of time anymore. Shall, shall we? Um... Should we look before we talk about the the waiting for the for the final games in other groups of, to discover our fate? Should we should we look back at the group a little bit more? Rich, what, what, what do you want to lead us off? Um, I, I think the strange thing about it is that with obviously the the Denmark game and the result from there that you know we, I think we knew at the time was slightly skewed by the events of what happened, and I think hindsight and and Denmark's performances and results since have shown that what they're really capable of um, to come away from there with the three points and to play well, you know, be it on the back foot against Belgium for so much of the game. I think it's it's almost put that Russia match into perspective as to that's where it was lost and to come out of that group with three points at the start of the tournament. I'd have, if they said, "Oh, we come third in the group with three points." Happy days, brilliant, you know, great. But there, there is that now tinge of what could have been um, had they got a point of Russia. That would have almost certainly guaranteed them into the last 16, no matter what happened in the last game. And I, I think that that kind of just makes it a little bit tougher to swallow what would have been a, a perfectly acceptable performance. And now we're sitting there going, had the team lined up a little bit more on the front foot against Russia had they been a little bit more aggressive because we've seen how the teams that beat Russia did, they went at them. Denmark did it, uh, Belgium did it. And I think Finland seemed to be so set up to protect and hit them on the break that when they had a chance to really 
go there and, and grab something. And, and obviously there's the, the goal that was ruled out and everything. But I, I think coming away from that, you do have the, there is that little bit of regret that they should, should have got four points. It, it, for me, it, it was, it was like these big, each game there was one of these big moments. And of course, you know, the Denmark game was the Christian Eriksen incident. And then we, we talked about it, I think after the Russia game, that, that, getting that early goal and then losing it <laughs> straight away after seemed to really knock knock us back. Um, and it's those it's those kind of sliding doors moments, isn't it? What if, what if? You know, I would have quite happily have let Lukaku have that offside goal if Yole could have had his offside goal a week, a week earlier, you know? Yeah, kick it. yeah I was just going to say, just echo what Rich said, really. We're all going to look back at this and and look at the, the Russia game as the missed opportunity. I mean, we seem to uh, we hear about coaches, and obviously Rich mentioned Arsenal Wenger a minute ago, and we we you know Rich has watched plenty of Arsenal games over the years, but you have their managers who um, there's managers who, who stick to their own plan and and don't change the plan despite the the uh, opposition, and then there's managers or coaches who will look at the opposition and decide how to play, and and I think. I think that River possibly just went with went with his his sort of tried and tested method of against so so called superior opposition, where the plan was to sort of invite them on and then try and hit them on the break. But as Rich said, you know, if we'd a if we'd a, if we'd a bit a bit more forward thinking and a bit more a bit more attacking, a bit more on the front foot, a bit more aggressive, we uh, we might may well have got something out of that game and. And I, you, you know, that's that's going to be the way it goes. Now we're forever going to look back and and look at that Russia game and look at that as a uh, as a, a missed opportunity. And um, yeah, you know, with the uh, with the, with them being the opposition as well, it was it's an even tougher one to take. I think the old big brother from over the road. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think I think I, I, you can't be too harsh because I think I mean, first of all, after the disallowed goal. I think there was another comment. There was one, the Spain goal, the Morata goal, and then there was a goal for Paulson, the fourth goal against Wales, which was yesterday, I think. And they're on the about the same sort of line as where Yole was with the same sort of uh, blurred decision. So that was a, a, an incredibly fine margin. After that goal was disallowed, I don't remember Reitler being that far forward ever again. So he, he, nicked, he nicked the ball, what, like 20 yards inside the Russian half for that one? And I don't ever remember him getting that high up the pitch in the remain for the remainder of the game. And then I think the only thing that I th- the only thing that I think about in terms of being harsh is is that we did make three or four half chances with balls through the back. And I, I personally think that we were just a bit unlucky, both from the decisions from the from the goal being disallowed, but I think we were also unlucky because I don't think Damo was fit. I don't think Damo Buki was was a hundred percent. I don't think I think Damo Buki, you know. Uh, who's 100% fit from the qualifying or from the Nations League campaign, he gets onto the through balls, shrugs off the defender and picks his spot. Um, and you don't, there's not a second thought. Uh, and I think in this one, he was, you know, just a, just not even half a yard, just a bit off the pace, you know, a bit not sharp. Um, and he looked leggy. Rich? Um, I mean, he's come out and said that you can see and he felt that he'd missed five weeks of playing football. Um, he said his ankle was absolutely fine, but his sharpness, his match fitness, that that kind of extra 5-10% that he needs to be the tamer Buki we've seen over the last three or four years was gone because 
you know, while physically he was fine, he didn't have that sharpness. And the fact that he got subbed at 75 minutes in the first two games, and then the, you know, there's a lot of debate about the decisions, especially in the Russia game of who came on, what happened there. But, um, you know, had, had it been a fully fit Puki, we'd have seen something different. I think uh, we saw in the Denmark game, he was marked out of the game, but that was almost accounted for. Uh, and it gave space for for Poyan Palo. But in the, you, you do think that the Russia game, there were chances where if he were fully fit, it would have been a different story. So again, it's uh, what could have been, but um, yeah, unfortunate. Okay. Well, that that um, that scenario will will then beg the question: is a is a one hundred percent fit Freddie Jensen better than a 70 percent fit Tamil Pukki? But you know, we're um, we're not the manager, are we? But uh, but that that's a, a forever wonder wonder what if, isn't it? You know, um, if maybe you'd have, you'd have let Teme have a little rest for the Russia game and and, and tried one of the others who who possibly was hundred percent fit. You know, you uh, that that that'd have been the only other throw of the dice, I suppose. Yeah, I think I mean you you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. You know, and that kind of thing. Because if you do, if you put if you put Freddie on and then it doesn't work. What the headlines are, you know, River drops book, and, and I think you know you, you can't you can't have it that way. I think the other thing is I've seen a lot of sort of stuff on Twitter, which is which is I have to say really weird because I've seen Twitter storms before about Premier League and about English football. I haven't really seen this Twitter storm about Finnish football and decisions, but I've now seen obviously criticism of River, and I think you've got to say like uh, we made in each game we made two or three half chances, possible exception of the Belgium game where we were where they were just. They were just incredibly strong, um, and that's that's how many chances we usually make. We usually make three or four chances on a break, and we usually take one of them. And we did in in Denmark. We didn't in Russia. It's unlucky. I, I don't know about you guys, but but waiting. Well, Rich did a, a a short blog just before the Belgium game, showing all the permutations of how Finland might get through, and I, I put a link in in the in the, the blog post. Um, I sat down on to watch. Uh, France Portugal on Wednesday night and by that time all the permutations had lined up that we needed France to win by four goals and it absolutely ruined my watching of that game because when it became clear that they weren't going to score four goals I got the ump and I couldn't just sit there and watch the game watch the game and enjoy it I was sitting there thinking oh, it's not fair we're not going to get there and I don't care about this and rather than just enjoying two heavyweights slugging it out to a 2-2 draw um how were your you guys were sort of posting and tweeting and messaging about it, it, it sort of during that day how were your emotions as you were leading up to the final the final games on the Wednesday night oh, um, the weird thing is is that after the Belgium game we knew what would happen it would have to be I think five four out of five um, things would have to go the right way the first of them would be that Croatia would have to draw with Scotland so of course then Croatia beat Scotland and knocked them out which meant that on the final day, all four fixtures had to go in a particular way. So you had Spain beating Slovakia 5-0. Brilliant. That's what we needed. Um, what was the other? Sweden not losing to Poland. Brilliant. Happy days. That went well. Um, and then, yeah, so in the final game, it had to be either France win by four goals or Hungary win by four goals. And then the, the other was that. And, of course, neither of those happened. Um, of course, had France won 
and Germany's draw, that would have been fine as well. But it's, um, yeah, it was a little bit because you're sitting there watching, you know, that the, the France game was quite entertaining, you know, it's, um, <laughs> and we're sitting there going, like, even with into injury time, or oh, if they get four more, four more. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it was, it was difficult to watch because, of course, when you start adding these things in, especially in, Dem- in Finland's case, they only had to wait 48 hours. I think before in the, the previous tournament, I think Albania had to wait four days for, for their fate to be confirmed. Um, and, you know, in, in hindsight, Finland effectively went out by one. Had they scored one or had Ukraine conceded another, then it would have been all different. But um, that's the way it is. But it's um, it was a, a tense, you know, because especially when, I think after the first round of games on the Wednesday and, and Spain won and, and Sweden won, you're thinking, it's on, it's on, here we go. Um, but yeah, it's uh, pain, painful. Before before we talk about our potential players, Finland player of the Euros, we, we had a little, little chat about this the other day, so I'm hoping that you guys are all going to at least mention the person you mentioned in, the, uh, in, in our WhatsApp messages and then we can perhaps choose our overall a winner uh, that we all agree but maybe now's a good time to uh, to answer the the questions that came in on on twitter and instagram this afternoon um firstly from axel rk on twitter who asked what repercussions do you think that this you know the euros performance will have on the future of finnish football do you think that Finnish players and teams will be reevaluated because of this milestone? Well, the first thing it's going to do is it's going to bump us up the FIFA rankings. The win in, in Denmark got us eight places up. I also think we earn money from uh, qualifying for this tournament and we earn TV rights. So the first... Do we, do we earn anything as the Finnish football show as well? <laughs> is, it, is, it, is it like trickle-down economics? The, the kitty is not exactly empty, Mark. It's not... It's, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's not overflowing, but, but you know, there's something in there. But, um, uh, yeah, so there is going to be more money coming in, which is always a, which is always a good thing for, you know, for us, for a country like us, where, where we need to support the, the game a, a little bit more. Uh, I think also we'll probably be on scouting radars a little bit now because we've proved that we've got like at least a squad's worth of of decent quality players. So I, I think there'll be kind of more interest because I think a lot of the European or Nordic scouts have, have kind of been shrugging off Finland for a couple of years. We you know we get the occasional groups through and clubs through who try to pick up people as they come through, but we don't get that much dedicated um, let's say regional work. So I think I think we we have raised attention. Uh, we will get some money. And then I think it will also kind of the 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 uptake here for the population has been, as you know, Mark, fantastic. I mean, like if there's as as Rich pointed out last time, there's hooky a branded souls, and you know a bunch of like all that sort of stuff. So I, I think interest will be up. We will get a bit more money. Uh, I think we will get a bit more attention. Rich, um, I I think again, like like Mark said, that the money is going to come in handy because you know we've seen that the money from UEFA and FIFA for votes um has been spent on a lot of infrastructure and, and developing coaching and, and all of the pitches and stuff and i think that the kids are going to see that and i mean there's always this long debate and it's the thing i get asked all the time about hockey you know which is more popular of course hockey is more popular as a spectator sport at the top level but that's changing um football's cheaper than hockey it's still pricey compared to some countries but 
it's becoming more appealing. Kids are seeing Finnish players going abroad again that they haven't done for a long time. Uh, players like Fredetsky, Puki and all that. Um, I think it just generally lifts the profile. There's stuff that you can't really quantify. And this kind of thing, we may not see that trickle down for 10, 15 years. Um, you know, we, we may have to go through a spell of not qualifying again and, and then this next generation come through. Um, I mean, the, it's going to be one of those things, you know, that those infrastructure and all weather pitches and coaching, they haven't contributed to this squad. This is a squad of players, a lot of whom the key players have peaked at the right time and they've played together for a long time with a coach who knows them. That's got nothing to do with what's been going on in the background. So there's a lot of factors and, and I think it's just good for the profile and hopefully just gets that bit more attention. Yeah, just um, just on, on that point about raising raising the profile of Finnish football abroad, I mean, um, we're going to move on to talk about our our hookayat of the of the tournament. But um, just on the point of Radetzky, I mean, his performances do stand out because, we, you know, we had X amount of shots peppering our goal. But um, watching it, watching the games from, from here in England, it was like the, the BBC or, or ITV pundits had never heard of him. I mean, this geezer is playing at one of the top level clubs in the Bundesliga, featuring regularly in the Europa League stroke Champions League. And you got... Oh, yeah, I don't want to dig anyone out personally, but you got people like Lee Dixon and Martin Keown and the, the, the pe- pe- Danny Murphy, people like that, and they're going, oh, where on earth did Finland find this goalie? And you're like, come on. He's, he's I mean, been here since he was two. I mean, you know, yeah, that's where yeah. he found him. I mean, it's, it's you know, I'm not saying that professional club scouts are as blasé as um, BBC pundits who are just turning up, taking their cash and talking about crap that happened 30 years ago. But, you know, it, it, I, I do think that, that Finland featuring in the Euros may possibly, as, as Mark said, you know, put, put Finland back on the radar for some of these scouts. So, yeah, hopefully. We're going we're gonna to talk also about transfers and players being available. But I, tying in with what Mark said before about, about interest from clubs, there's quite a lot of players in the Finland, in the Finland squad who have played, played well, and potentially don't have a club <laughs> this summer. Yeah. So they, there's, they've got to be worth a, a chance for... I, mean, I, I don't care if they go to the UK or if they go somewhere else, but at least a chance of, of building on that. Even so, even Well, actually, this Mark, did you want to say something on that same subject? Or Yeah, there was, there was one last thing. So I was having a pint with um, a lad, a friend who I know who works in the Helsingin Piri for, for football. And one of the things that he actually mentioned about about uh, the biggest problem in Finnish football at a youth level at the minute is coaches. And one of the things they hope is going to happen from this from this tournament is that people who understand the game of football get into coaching at local and grassroots level, because at the minute the predominant population of like coaches and youth coaches, so amateur and youth coaches in Finland, is actually just sort of parents or guys with cars that sort of shuttle, they, they bring food and they bring balls and they set stuff up, but they don't have a great deal of sort of tactical knowledge and awareness. And one of the big focus areas for the, at least for the Palolito and for the, the guys here in, uh, in uh, the outskirts of Helsinki, let's say, uh, is, uh, is to try and get more sort of football enthusiasts involved with coaching the younger generation and the, the other ones. Rich. 
Um, I did see a quote around that. I think they, they said by the end of this cycle of finances or something, they wanted every registered player to have a registered qualified coach. Um, I don't know what the proportion is, how many kids would be under this particular coach, but I think they want enough people to be trained. I mean, this was the thing that in the UK they did. I mean, McDonald's, I think, were the main people behind it in the UK, getting people mm -hmm. coached and as part of the FA agreement. But um, th that's what they're looking for, this money that they've got from UEFA FIFA sponsors and all that. They, they, they want to really tap into that junior level. Um, but yeah, there, there is a goal that every club or every organisation has at least one fully super-duper qualified coach in there. So if you're in Finland and you've been on Twitter and you've been digging out Marco Canava for his substitutions, drop the uh, <laughs> you know, put your phone down and get your boots on and go and teach some kids. Yeah, you get a good, <laughs> very good point. And I was saying before about um, sort of the the players around the age of thirty looking for clubs, and it sort of ties in with a question from uh, Alfred and Cameron at Nordic Footy, um, who asked with a lot of the Finland squad aged over thirty. Do you think the foundations are set for Finland into the future? So, how do we feel now that now that you know several of them are aging, potentially aging out of the squad in the next few years? Um, people coming through, Keke. I mean, this is a this is a hot topic for us. We've we've been discussing it between the four of us quite quite extensively. You know, like um, the news came out just just a, a couple of days ago that Mr. Sparv is going to continue to be available for selection for the for the national team. So, I mean, that's good news for everybody. Um, you know, the, the, the longer he can go on, the better, I think. But uh, obviously, we've already discussed and we've all seen what he what he brings to the team and, and what, more importantly, what disappears from the team when he's removed from the pitch. But, um, but yeah, the, that's that's a massively interesting point. You know, you've got, you got a lot of players who are 30, 31, that sort of age. How long are they going to be about? I mean... Um, as I said, we spoke together and our general feeling, you know, is that they'll, they'll hang about for these World Cup qualifiers and then maybe some decisions will be made. But there's going to be some big boots to fill. I mean, we have got, we have got some, some up-and-coming youngsters. But, um, but yeah, mo most, most, as we've seen, most of those have already broken through into the, into the outskirts of the squad. So it just remains to be seen who, um, who else they've got hiding around the corner who can uh, fill those, those big... Um, those big, massive player-shaped dolls when they do emerge. I, I do. I know. I know that we, that you you tease me for money bags, Asik or uh, spending dosh and not and, and not succeeding for the last six years. Uh, but there is it is noticeable this year. Maybe maybe starting last year, the number of academy players that are in the squad, and I think this is a trend that that will continue as well. And and not only in the squad, but also in the um, in the Ma Yoko, the national team um, age group sides as well. So Villa Tikkanen's in the under twenty ones, and Matthias Feinimfar, um, and someone else who's gone out of my out of my mind right now. Anyway, are in the are in the under eighteens, under nineteen. So from from this sort of black and yellow perspective, you can start to see. Some of these, um, some of these younger players coming through. It's also interesting that with the the, un, the, the Finland under twenty ones team, um, 
there's uh, Joaquin Gomez, friend friend of the show, who's the head coach at Ho I Afco, and and working with the under twenty ones. And he's he's actually taken one or two of Asiko's younger academy players to Helsinki on loan for this year to try and get these players just that that experience of, of first team football i think i think we've talked to a lot of a, a lot of the, the the interviews we've done over the last year we've asked this question about young finns going away and there seems to be the feeling that they go away and they get good coaching in in basic football technique but then they they don't necessarily get to play men's football and now you've got players that are maybe getting to play men's football are they being coached in, in good football technique? I hope so. The, the quality of coaching seems to be improving in the, in the Bakehouse Liga. So it'd be interesting to see that generation, if they, if they come into Bakehouse Liga, make, make appearances and move, on, and move on from there. I think this is something we could talk about a lot more in another show, but I'm very aware that in 20 minutes' time, there's another game of Euro 2020 football starting. Um, I, I think I, I just wanted also to give a shout out to Yusuf Vita on Twitter. He um, he had some thoughts about the our approach in the Russia game. I think maybe we gave our opinions there. He said that he thought we should have played a more progressive 4-4-2 uh, and brought on force rather than Lapalainen towards the towards the end. Um, against what is maybe one of the weakest Russia sides of all time, I, I think we I think we kind of covered our our thoughts on that. But thanks to you, sir, for the uh, for the words. Go back one show, and I think I think I think we pretty much agree with with a lot of what you said. Mm-hmm. The one thing I would say just about those the young kids in the next generation is there's a really nice problem to solve uh, for our young, for the youngsters, which is that you've got who's like Soyri's still around, Taylor's still around, Valakari's still around, Pohyan Palo's still around. So you've got, we've got a lot of creative players that are in that Jensen. Jensen's also, you know, early 20s so or mid 20s. So you've got four or five players that are sort of creative that are in that striker slash forward area. So it might not be, well, I don't know what, we're not really that big on, on formations and the rest of it. But in terms of the next sort of generation after, after this group goes, we've got quite a lot of offensive creative talent waiting in the wings. Okay, so who who were our player of the Euros? Let's let's each nominate the the person that we that we talked about in the uh, in the group chat uh, over the weekend. I think I think it's one thing was said that that Paulus Ariuri and Jonas Tovio were were solid. They did everything that they always do, but none of us actually picked them as as someone who. Who stood out because they do what they always do. Um, Mark, who who was your pick? I I went with Robin Lud actually because I thought um, going into the tournament, understanding that we definitely have this back five slash back three, I thought Lud leading up to it had sort of struggled to be to sit in that midfield three, and so I was sort of stuck about is he going to you know play off the shoulder from Puki or is he going to play in the midfield three, and if he is, is he going to be able to hold his own. I thought uh, he adapted incredibly well to being in that midfield three. He covered a lot of ground. Uh, he did really a, a lot of work, more work than I've ever seen him do in terms of his pressing ability. Uh, and I think his passing and his connecting play, I thought, was 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 just really, really good. I think in, in all of the games, 
he was at least our most creative player, if not our most effective player in uh, in moving the ball. So Robin Lud for me. Uh, Rich, who did you go for? Um, well, I took the easy option. I think I was the first to reply to the question. So <laughs> I went for that unknown goalkeeper who they've plucked from thin air, uh, Lucas Rodetsky. Um, I, I, I Luckily, these things have been committed to audio and that on several podcasts we've uh, I've guested on in the run up to this and they asked, you know, who's Finland's best player. And I think on all of them, I said, as a, as an individual, it probably is Radetzky. Um He's been, as Keith said, at the, the top level really in, in Germany for five or six years. Uh, we've seen what he can do as a shot stopper. Fantastic. And, you know, I think he's done so well that, the own goal that wasn't his fault at all because 99.9% of the goalkeepers in the world that would have gone in off. He made enough saves to keep Finland in the tournament. Uh, the penalty save in the first game, uh, he made superb reaction saves in the other two as well. And it's just good to see, you know, I say finally, but he's getting some credit in the mainstream media beyond people who watch the Bundesliga in Finland. Um, We've all known how good he could potentially be. He's gone on to be, you know, very, very good. And I think this tournament, certainly in the first round, he was probably the best goalkeeper of all, of all the 24. Um, he was named in the team of the of the group stages, wasn't he? I think, yeah, statistically, I think there was it who scored, who do a lot of the stats and that. They, they had him as the number one. And, and I think, obviously, he had more to do than, than some. But I think he showed in that, you know, that the goals he conceded, I mean, the, the Russia goal was a fantastic goal. He also conceded a free cone goal and a goal, the second goal against Belgium was just a bit of a, oh God, you know, that, and yeah, what, what he did and the level that he performed at was absolutely pivotal to how well Finland did. I I went for Jere Urunen, uh playing at sort of left, left wing back, I suppose. And, before we before the competition started, we were wondering. We were talked about the formation, who'd been picked for the squad, who would who would play where, and which players were being named as defenders, and who was who was going to be providing the the width. And the the, the first choice, the, the starting team, didn't change that much, and not that many of the squad actually got onto the pitch as, as subs either. So there was no sorry. Taylor, some of the uh, Jensen maybe got a, a, a glimpse, but you know, not not a lot of these players that we've that we've sort of come to see as being quite exciting. But I I just noticed Urunen making making gains down the down the left wing. Um, we as a team didn't create enough. Obviously, we scored two goals, cheated out of one, and and. I, I don't know. I just like the way he was playing down that wing. I think linking up with Lord and linking up with you know whichever of the strikers was uh, was just ahead of him. So it, it caught caught my eye. Although he's been there for a few years, um, he caught my eye during these few games. Okay, okay. I think I think um, I think he's caught. Uh, obviously, we'll move on to transfers, all the movers and shakers. But I think yeah, there might be someone who's caught um, <laughs> caught another few eyes around around Europe as well. But yeah, I mean everyone you've mentioned there's. Uh, has been fantastic. I, you know, same as you guys. That they're they're the outstanding players. But um, touched on it previously when we was just chatting about the Belgium game. But um, I plumped for Daniel O'Shaughnessy. Um, 
just because just simply because you know with his defensive partners for that for over an hour for the majority of that Belgium game kept one of the world's top strikers quiet you know um and for for a lad who's who's playing in the Vakaus Liga obviously doing very well that you know league champion cup winner all that business but you know he's he spent a little bit of time bouncing around I think he had a spell at Cheltenham Town didn't he and um and you know brain tree as well yeah brain tree you know and uh, all of a sudden well not all of a sudden obviously but um but yeah and then he's he's uh coming up against Romelu Lukaku who who's you know every world famous everyone knows him and knows what he's capable of and I think he um he stepped up to the challenge, you know. Ultimately, Lukaku got his goal in the end. But, um, but yeah, just wanted to give big, uh, big Oshago a um, a shout out because he, uh, yeah, he he caught my eye. Played really well. Yeah, I think deserved and also nice that the only Vakas Liga based player, you know, was in there and and sort of held his own more than held his own. But do we do we agree? There's only one actual star the the man has to be friend the of the show one. the big the big number one lucas radetsky yeah no, yeah. no contest okay. let's have a, a round of applause then let's do that uh, although mark's microphone is muted so that was a very silent <laughs> very silent, very silent I don't know what happened. <laughs> never mind we we gave him the the applause he needed um what one i think maybe there's a few a few relatively smaller things for us to uh to to touch on um but there has been a bit of a scandal i suppose in finland since people have come back from traveling to st petersburg there's now been uh 140 confirmed cases of covid19 in the helsinki region and there's been a bit of mudslinging going around i don't i don't know if we necessarily need to sling any more mud but I think it's something you know it's connected to Finnish football it's something that we should at least um, pass comment on Mark you're you're based down in that in that area any any local perspectives uh, only that it was 130 130 is not like crazy abnormal so new cases has, there's been uh, it's been around it's been decreasing obviously for the last couple of months and the average is, the average recently has been like sort of 50 60 or so new cases and, and so it's it's about triple of what what the we usually go through um but um in terms of a local perspective there's not that much there's not that much here i think that the big concern about about some of the smu causes is that a couple of the a couple of the fans were interviewed when they came back in and they made the evening news because they were, you know, they were a couple of sheets to the wind, which is a uh, English colloquialism for had a, they've had a couple of pints and they were saying stuff like, I don't read the guidance from, uh, from the, um, uh, from the doctors or from the, from hospitals. I, I just, I'm, I'm just going to come back and then I'm going to go up to Levy and I'm going to have myself a big old party. And uh, that kind of disregard, I think for for what the guidance is, which is that you should isolate whenever you come back from abroad, uh, and particularly if you've been in a group where there's been some potential exposures, you know it's not a good look. It 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 uh, it raised a bit of uh, concern both on the on the telly, on the media, uh, on the on the visual media, and also in the papers. Okay. okay. Well, yeah, I mean, um, this is uh, this has made me a little bit angry, really. I mean. Um, Obviously, we're we're four Brits, four English 
fellas. So um, we're all too familiar with the uh, the tabloid media digging out football fans and um, for their own agenda and their own headlines. But um, we all were sensible enough to know that in any walk of life, in any group in society, you're going to have one or two wallies. Yeah, it doesn't matter who you are. And um, and you know this this these so-called journalists have they we don't they could have interviewed they could have interviewed fifty people they could have specifically targeted the fellas who have come along quite clearly you know one had one too many you know and I can tell you now all the people who I know personally most of them are still in the middle of nowhere in their Kesemuki at the moment carrying out their isolation people who who came back from from St. Petersburg, they're, they're, they're in, they've gone from there straight to their own little Kesemuki and they're staying out of the way of everyone and they're doing their tests. And I just, you know, I just think it's, and to be, the thing that makes me most upset is that, you know, uh, another personal friend of mine, that the communications communications officer for SMU Corps, he, he's, had, he's had these hacks phoning him up and, and basically asking him how he feels for being responsible for the potential deaths of thousands of Finns because coronavirus has come back to the country on his bus, you know, and for people to be ringing, ringing a geezer up and just saying that sort of rubbish to him down the phone is just, you know, I just think that's, that's, that's beyond journalism, really. That's just, that's just something else. So, I mean, I, we all know for a fact, and I've I've, I've spoken to Yossi Hartigan and again today, like just on, on the WhatsApp, we all know for a fact that the SMU Corps did everything they could. They they gave out all the advice. They continue to give out advice. A week after the, the Finland have pretty much exited the tournament, they continue to give out the advice about isolation and testing to their members. So I just think, you know, cheap headlines, it's, it's all too easy, isn't it? Mark? Yeah, so I was going to say that in addition to the guys, the majority of guys who are, who are back and isolating, there's also a small group that are still in Russia. So the guys who got tested and tested positive in while in, in situ, basically they, they shouldn't leave the country and they haven't. So there's a small group of Finns sitting now in, in somewhere around St. Petersburg waiting to do their you know, additional testing and to make sure that they don't have it. And if they do, then to get out like a, the correct, like isolated quarantined passage back into the country. Mm. So it, it isn't the case that, that um, you know, I, I think that, that yeah, that the, the picture that, that some people want to paint is that there's an unru- unruly mob in a bus thundering its way back to, back to Finland. But at least for all the traveling that, that, that I did personally and that, and that I've seen from, from mates who have gone, we've been sort of Corona tested more than, you know anybody else that I've I've ever seen? We did, you know, we did sort of four four or five tests in five days, and that um, you know, as we as I think one of us said, is that uh, if this was going to happen with or without the SMU core, it's probably better that they got all the stuff in place that they did. Rich, um, I mean, I'm going to the England Germany game on Tuesday, and apparently the only thing I need to show to get, I mean, admittedly, Wembley isn't the most beautiful part of London but it's um I just have to show a screenshot of a phone app that says that I haven't got COVID um you know I just have to prove a negative test and to be honest they're not going to verify whose it is as long as I show them that um I mean that the protocols in place are there for a reason and of course you, you know this is the problem I mean I 
I'm not going to go into my day job, but you deal with people who don't always follow the rules and you deal with people who like to big up the fact they don't. I mean, there's people who don't wear masks and are proud of it and all that sort of stuff. So, um, you know, you, you can't do those kind of tests, unfortunately. But, um, yeah, it's, it does seem to be a bit of an easy target. You know, pe- people have gone abroad. Pe- a lot more people have gone abroad for various other reasons, fair or foul, and potentially brought COVID back. It's just that football fans are an easy target. Okay, I think KK particularly passionately, eloquently, and very controlled fury came across there. I like it. Well done. Um, just to, I guess, maybe to to round up the this Hulkiad section by just saying that the next competitive games for the the national team come at the beginning of September. So there's a home game against Kazakhstan. These are all World Cup qualifiers. So home game against Kazakhstan on the 4th wow, of September. And, <laughs> and uh, an away game against France on the 7th of September. We will be back well before then to... Uh, to keep you updated and uh, and remind you all about that. Um, this this first half has lasted for about fifty minutes. The second half is going to be a lot shorter, but I think if the referee blows his whistle, and we can do just a little bit of halftime merch selling, walking around with a tray of goodies and seeing if anyone wants to uh, wants to help us out. We've got the Finnish Football Show store on T Public and. Um, We've also got the uh, we got a, a fancy football team, a fancy football competition. There's 30 teams in there. Um, I don't want to talk about it too much, so I'm languishing around 29th out of 30. I, I'm, I'm catching up on Rich, actually. I'm only four points behind you, big man, so I'm, I'm coming for you. Uh, I'm just desperate not to finish bottom, having languished there for the last two weeks. Um, but the winner gets a T-shirt from our from our store, so if you're in that in that competition, get yourself to uh, tpublic.com slash finish football show and you'll find our range and uh, the winner gets their choice of, of T-shirt from there. Um, and also the buymeacoffee.com slash FFS podcast where you can make a donation. Uh, we've had some very generous donations so far and to everyone. Thank you for that. That's, um, that's going to help go to the, uh, to the running costs of the, of the show. Um, and if you go to the blog post, wherever you're listening to this, there'll be a link there to show notes and links. Go to the blog post, you'll find uh, where where you can buy them, buy the merch and make a donation. Um, we don't have an onion for this week, Mark. So let's. You do have an onion. I could do one. Oh, you've got uh, yeah, okay. So let's let's go. Let's let's start the second half, and let's do your uh, your onion. Okay, have we done? I have to check so I haven't written this down. We, I don't think we've done Duhnu before. Duhnu. So a, a, a Duhnu is like um, it's like if you if you try to if it's it's like a miss kick. So if uh, if um, if the like the cross comes in and you miss the ball and then you give it like a little bit of a a toe punt, but it sort of skews off in, in a different direction, or or it only goes like a centimeter from your foot. That's a uh, how does Duhnu actually translate directly? I think it's, uh, it's like a uh, p- punt. Hmm. This is why we write them down beforehand. 
I'll have, to, I'll have to think about it. And, and when I said we don't have one this week, that was your perfect. That was your perfect out, and yet you you still jumped in both feet. Well, I have the word, <laughs> and I know what it means. That's true. Well, we'll put the we'll we'll find the word and we'll put it in the in the show notes. But it's dukno, and it means a miss a miss kick. Very very good. Good one off the top of your head. Thank I, you. I guess I guess Mark, you know that word because you do so many of them in a game. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Famous for them. I'm famous for them. <laughs> um, let's um, we, we let's go into the second half, and we got here some uh, like new contracts and um, transfer gossip, and then just maybe a, a, a quick overview of the the recent Vakeus Liga action. I'm not planning to read all the results out, uh, but maybe we can have a, a quick overview of the uh, of the league table before we wrap up. Um, so, first of all, um, new contracts. Uh, Nicky Mampa got a new contract. Yeah, got a new two-year contract at Venezia after his heroics in getting them promoted. Um, it's quite surprising, to be honest. I think two years at his age but he's obviously done enough on the pitch and behind the scenes to convince him to, to give him a decent deal. I, I mean, I guess going into Serie A, he probably won't be the number one, but if, to be fair, having that as your backup, if he's settled there, um, happy days, fair play to him. Mm. And we've got a couple of confirmed transfers. Um, we were talking earlier that Yoni Kalko is moving as a free agent to... Uh, ATK MB in Kolkata, it seems, and I have I put a link to that story in the in the notes there. Um, that's he's thirty one. It's interesting to be moving to India, but if it's the what do they call it, Indian Premier League, Indian Super League, I'm not quite sure which which one they're in, but but there's there's a bit of money to be made out there. Yeah, so it is a it was a bit of a surprise. I mean, we knew that he'd um, he'd released a video saying "Tada" to the Esberg fans after his after his time there, and we had speculated where where he might end up. And um, and yeah, the, the news broke the other week or a few days ago that he was off to India. I mean, um, he's not the uh, it's not the first to head out that way. Um, I think we we were just chatting off air, and uh, yeah, the big names such as. Robbie Keane, he's, he's been out there. Um, our own Yussi Yaskalainen has been out there. But, um, yeah, was it uh, one of the Kuchi brothers, Naz Kikuchi, has been out yeah. to um, out to India as well. So, um, so yeah, Yoni joins that illustrious group um, out in the uh, Indian Super League. Yeah, but yeah. Um, just a little, little bit of controversy. You described them as, what was the name of the club, Mark? ATK? MB. Yeah, they... Um, their fans are very upset with this new branding. They want the oh. they want the ATK got rid of. So, ah, okay. Because um, because I, I I searched ATK Kolkata and all every story I saw mentioned this ATK MB, and I was like, oh, okay. I guess that's the name. A- then ATK <laughs> were the original club, um, Atletico Kolkata that Yaskalainen signed for, and I think they've kind of. I don't know if it's like a Rangers scenario or they've been bought out and there's naming rights or something, but they've kind of turned into a new club. How do you have enough time in your life to know details like that, Rich? I don't understand how you guys do it. Yeah, my, my two kids helped me research these kind of things. 
Are you tell are you tell us, Mark, that you don't watch or keep up to date on the Indian Premier League? No, I went to cricket the other night. You do now, mate. You, you do keep, now. I barely keep up to date in now what's going Mr. on in my own back garden, let alone in India. Now that Mr. Calco's there, we're all over the Indian we, Super League. We certainly, we certainly will be. And, and Keke, you mentioned that Linda Salstrom has moved to who you call Helsinki. Yeah, Linda Salstrom. Um, Number one goal scorer in uh, in Finnish football history has um, has yeah made her way back home. She's left Paris FC after a uh, yeah couple of years I think she had there. So she's signed for Hoi Kor in the uh, Subway Kanslerin Liga. So um, yeah, we'll uh, look forward to seeing Linda in the uh, blue and white of Hoi Kor as well as the uh, blue and white of Finland. Very smooth, Keke. And what about some what about some rumours. There's rumours about Glen Kamara moving well back to London, it seems, um, from Glasgow Rangers to Watford or Brentford. What do we think about this? I think uh, a move back to the, a move to the Premier League is always a good thing. I think he'd get in Brentford's team. Uh, they'd be in for a tough season, but I think I think they could they could definitely stay up. Watford are a proper club as well. Watford are, didn't they? Did they? have some deal with Italian clubs and Spanish clubs. They're, they're owned by the people that own, is it uh, Palermo, Odinese and Granada in Spain. Mm. So yeah. their players tend to flip between the three. I just wondered if, if we thought that, that having won the Scottish Premiership, that going to a re- recently promoted club was the right, the right level for him. I was thinking maybe maybe a mid-table Prem club. What do you think, Kiki? I mean, my, my own personal feeling is that he will stay in Glasgow for at least at least the foreseeable future. I mean, um, as you said, Rangers have won the league, so they're they're into the into the Champions League. And um I don't think we can underestimate the, the Steven Gerrard factor either. Mm. I think um I personally think that that Glenn might might hang about there for at least another season, but a um, another story coming out of Scotland and, and Glasgow and Glenn's club Glasgow Rangers is that Colombian striker, former Oye Core man, might be on his way to Porto in Portugal, um, and if that happens, Oye Core in for a bit of a uh, mm. a bit of a cash windfall. And they really need it as well, don't they? Just to, just to <laughs> strangle, <laughs> strangle the, all the competition. Well, I the think they announced this year that they've made a, a hefty profit in, in this financial year. And I mean, it's part of the, the sale that they got 10% transfer fee and a friendly against Rangers, which I think turned out to be played during lockdown, didn't it? So they, they didn't make any money out of it. But uh, <laughs> it's, um, yeah, they've, they've done quite well. Again, the, the negotiations of... I think they they don't they were quite protracted when he moved to to Scotland, but obviously in the long term, I mean that that million or million and a half is going to be pretty much the turnover of most teams, and they're going to get that as a nice bonus mm. just to uh, um, make things nice and even. And what about there's rumours about Jesse Jordanen as well? He was he came so close to promotion from Serie B in Italy with Brescia last year. Uh, where's where's the rumours that he's heading to? Um, well, most of the sports papers in Italy the other day all came out and said that he was being linked to Genoa, okay. which is um, Serie A, so where he belongs, really. Um, how accurate that is, I, I don't really know. But I think he did so well when he was up the first time 
albeit in a struggling team that went down and was one of the highlights of a team that nearly got promoted again. So mm-hmm. I think it's fair. And, and, and to be honest, I think his contract expires next year. So if um, Brescia are going to want any money, they're going to have to get it now. Yeah. So that might suit all parties, really. And, and then we've got a couple of free agents in Tim Sparber, we've also all, already talked about, and Paulus Arayuri, a couple of players who perform well for the for the hooky at, at the Euros and now available on freeze. Yeah, so Sparv said he's he's left uh, AEL and he said he'll make a decision after the Euros. Um, who knows? I mean, obviously he's got a, a young baby, which it, it tends to inform a lot of choices these days. And uh, who knows? <laughs> where, where you know somewhere like Sweden seems to be a a fairly, a fairly logical move. But um, Ariuri said his contract's expiring this month, but he hasn't said whether he's leaving Paphos or not. So. Obviously, when you spoke to his brother and he was house-sitting for him yeah. in Greece, um, I don't know if that's a sign that perhaps he's, he's looking to stay or he hasn't quite made his mind up yet. Well, that's suntan to maintain as well. He's going to fade off if you don't keep it, keep, keep the rays hitting it. Um, the, um, yeah, the, the, the Cypriot beach sort of lifestyle seemed to suit Paulus, didn't it, in a sort of <laughs> castaway sort of sort of way the uh the sun bleached there and the uh and the, the tan the tan skin there sort of suited him down to the ground but yeah we'll see what happens but i mean obviously with these guys who are out of contract and um and also as we just said about yoni kalko going to the, going to india it'll be interesting to to see how this does affect their their international careers i mean um you said there mark that yoni is he is 31 i mean i was chatting to rich earlier and the um the, the, the first change that, that seemed to happen in, in any of these games in the Euros and also in our recent international fixtures, Calco seems to be the, the first player, sort of sub or fringe player, if you like, to be to be brought on. So mm-hmm. Rive obviously does obviously does like him, but um I just wonder just wonder, you know, if if Rive, like us, will be all over the Indian Super League now or or if that puts puts our Yoni off the radar, so to speak. But yeah, you know, we've, you know, he's got, um, he's got uh, Valakari and, and Ariuri in Cyprus that he doesn't seem to, that doesn't seem to worry him. So maybe, maybe Rivi doesn't, doesn't mind where his players are playing as long as they're getting minutes. So, I mean, I think Rivi is, he's just, he's always been about players playing games. He's, he's always tended to pick players that were, that were like, if, if, if there was a good player, but wasn't getting any games, then he, he's had no qualms. Like when, when uh, Robin Ludwin first to Minnesota and he didn't exactly play, he wasn't in a hurry to bring him back uh, on, on a plane. And it's been this, the case for a couple of, Lassie Lapalainen was the same. Um, uh, so I, I think game time is, is the key, but Yoni, that's a real head scratcher because I mean, even in Esbjerg, like they liked him, they liked him a hell of a lot. You know, yeah. he only he wanted to stay there to help them get back up. And then they went to the playoffs last yep. season and, and they didn't make it. And that's when he decided to leave and, and find somewhere new because he didn't want to be in the Danish uh, second tier. Um, but um, I mean, I wish him all the best. Hope he does really well. Hope that it's maybe the start of something, some bigger investments in the in the in the Indian Premier League. You never know. We'll have to get him on and see what the man's got to say for himself. Yeah, well, that's, that's, your, that, that's your mission, Keke. Get reaching out to people and see if you can uh, get some. Yeah, exactly. Um, let's have a quick, a quick look just at what's been going on in the Bakehouse Liga um, since. Is that still uh, going? I'm, I'm yeah, I've been all it, over it, Europe. <laughs> it hasn't. It hasn't stopped. I've been to. I've been to two live games during the Euros, and there's another one coming up on Wednesday at home. Yep. It's. Um, 
it's, it's it's interesting actually. I think the the Mariaham Asucor game, unless I got it wrong in my calendar, I had it scheduled for Wednesday and then it was played on Thursday. So I don't know if that was moved because of the Euros or if I just got it wrong. But it would make sense not to play too many games when there's actually high-profile international games going on. Um, it's it's kind of as you were in the table, really, isn't it? Whether it was last season or earlier this season, there's Hoyikor stretching away at the top. Um, played 10, 1, 9, 28 points. Secondary Inter played 10, 1, 7, 21 points. That's quite a big lead already. Um, the, the, the top three have all played 10, and then there's a, a few teams that have, that have played a, a few less. Uh, Kups is the third played 10, 19 points. Hoy F Core, uh, fourth. Fourth, having only played eight games on 15, 15 points. Um, and then somehow Saniok here in the top half of the table. I didn't, didn't expect that. I didn't realise that that had happened a third of the way into the season. Good Lord, I don't know where we're, where we're going. I just, um, just wanted to point out that um, since we, since, well, most of us, but especially my mate Rich was championing... Uh, Marianham, they've, they've, they've dropped like a stone since yeah. then. They haven't scored. Um, <laughs> they, have, they haven't scored in 13 halves of football. I think it's about 620-odd minutes now oh, since geez. they scored a league goal. And those were the three against Oldwood. I think they scored three in about five minutes. Um, so, yeah, apologies. Um, I mean, <laughs> the, the tables walk because the four teams that are in Europe played games earlier. Um, to get them because obviously the, the the conference league and Champions League games start in in July, but um, yeah, it's a big. So old, that's why they play old, ten and others have played yeah. eight or nine. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so it's, it's a big old gap though. But um, Ola have only just won their first game, got the first points on the board, and um, they. I mean, because it, it was looking terminal for them at one point, but now they're only one point behind uh, Cortepe. Um, but yeah, the rest of it is just Who, who's seems, the team? Which is the team they beat? Actually, so yeah, exactly. Two, yeah. two of so, them at the bottom there, slugging it. It was an important win for them. But um, yeah, I mean, it's all kind of ticking over. I mean, Hoyikor just seem to be just grinding out wins, don't they? I mean, they've only conceded five goals in, in those 10 games. Um, and yeah, the rest of the teams seem to be sort of scoring about a goal a game. Ilves seem to be lurching from good result to bad result. They're very inconsistent. And um, Lati have started quite well as well, to mm. be honest. Um, yeah, I did, their... I did miss them mm. as, well, as I was. As I was yeah, they've given their coach a new contract. Um, they're, they're doing okay. I mean, they're perennially mid-table. Um, in the what, nine or ten years I've been following closely, I don't think they've ever threatened really either end of the, of the, of the league. So it's just what they do. You know, you can always count on Lati to just be sitting there, military medium, we have uh, a couple. Sorry, I was just going to say, yeah, the um, the the league has got a bit of a familiar. The league table has got a bit of a familiar sort of look to it. But I mean, um, it might it might be come as a surprise to some, but but maybe not to others. Obviously, we we know Joachim Gomez, but to see um, EF Core there and uh, sitting in what is it fourth place, and um, on Wednesday we got the the, the Stadin Derby coming up against Hoyikor, so. Um, so yeah, that that'll be an exciting one, and I think that you know, kudos to those guys down there, Anthony Amy as well, another friend of the show, doing the business at EF Corp. Yeah, um, I mean, it's good to see that um, Callum Ward, the the goalkeeper, the son on loan, and then became a permanent transfer. Obviously, his, his dad's been sort of 
contacting us in, in the Facebook group and he kept two clean sheets in his first two games, which is nice to see. He got a, a run and, and was doing really well. And I guess having Antti Niemi as your, your coach, albeit he's off gallivanting in Europe at the moment, but it's... um. It's it's nice to see, and uh, yeah, that derby should be interesting. It's going to be. I think there's a fair attendance expected. Is it about fifty thousand? Fifty percent capacity. I think they're looking at. Um, if almost said it. Um, they lost one of their key players, um, Pipe Pipe. If you're a luddite like myself, he got sent off for a rather crude agricultural challenge in the last couple of minutes of their game the other day. So he's going to miss the game for suspension. So he's one of the Spaniards that they imported who I think once looked at a Real Madrid shirt. Therefore, he's uh, qualified to play in Finland. That's Joaquin, that's Joaquin just using his network back home. Yeah. Uh, cool. Don't worry. Uh, Mosso will still be on hand to pick up his, you know, his uh, traditional red card on 30 minutes for, you know, giving a V sign to some random <laughs> passerby. He's not had one for a couple of weeks, has he? Exactly. He's due. <laughs> you, know, um, you, know, you know why they're doing so well, though, don't you? Go on. It's all that beetroot juice, isn't it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I now I'm beginning to wonder if you're on a, if you're on a percentage as well. Kick, don't don't spill times. it down that nice white shirt. No, quite, quite right. I reckon chat, this podcast. That's, that's, yeah, that would be nice. Um, yeah. Hey, if anyone wants to sponsor this podcast, that would be nice. Uh, but I reckon, I reckon for now, that's probably a good place to wrap it up. So remember to follow our Facebook page for content coming directly from the. Finnish football show team, our podcasts and blogs, and etc. And our numbers are growing, especially through the Euros, which is nice to see. Um, you'll also find a link there to our Facebook group where there was a little bit more conversation, a bit more chat, people reaching out to us and asking questions. Um, and you'll find the links to those as well as our Instagram page, YouTube channel, and Rich's Finnish football show TikTok. I can't even say it without a chuckle in my voice. Oh, it's, um, it's dying are, slowly. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Uh, you could also follow one of us, all of us on Twitter. I'm at Explore Finland. Mark, who are you? Uh, at FC Swarmy. Uh, Rich, who are you? At Escape to Swarmy. And Keke Mulleri, who are you? I'm at Keke Mulleri. Brilliantly disguised. Well done. Until the next Finnish football show, thanks for listening. Bye bye. Kiddos. Kiddos.